You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know This is the Cabinet HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinet. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech startups and HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to Cabinets HR podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Darren Burrell. Darren, are you ready to be great today? Yes, I am. Darren Burrell, Lieutenant Colonel Retired, is a founder and president of Veterans Ventures, Ventures Capital LLC, an investment and consulting, consulting firm focused on scaling veteran-owned and, and led business. In his capacity, he oversees all aspects of the company operations and fund management. Prior to this, he served as a chief operating officer for Tag Resources LLC, a retirement service company with over $1.5 billion in assets under management. He is an accredited investment fiduciary, certified defense financial manager, and level three certified in, in, in the sector defense financial management program. Prior to, to his transition to the private sector in 2015, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Borough was the, was the resource director of the White House, Communica- White House Communication Agency where he worked directly with the senior White House staff, co- Congressional Comptroller, United States Secret Service, Department of State, and Defense Information Systems Agency. Darren, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. You've had a thank you for your service, and thank you for what you're doing now for veteran entrepreneurs. Appreciate it. Uh, pretty uh, pretty happy to be here. Thank you for the offer. And uh, yeah, let's uh, continue to see how this goes. So, Darren, from your point of view, why is it important to have a fund like yours that's um, investing solely in veteran entrepreneurs and in their companies or in their, and our startups? Yeah, well, uh, I think what I'll go ahead to answer that question, um, I'll tell you my story if, if, uh, if I can, like a two minute elevator speech, if you don't mind. Essentially, um, I, as, as, uh, you mentioned, uh, I did 21 years active, active duty air force and, um, but it was all in financial management. So I like to say that I didn't uh, fly the planes. I just paid for them and uh, had a great time doing it. Uh, wonderful garden spots uh, like Italy and England and not so uh, wonderful spots like uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, Kuwait and some others. Um, but through it all, I learned about the, the nature of moving money around, managing money to make the mission happen. And uh, so the opportunity while I was, uh, my last uh, duty station was the White House and an opportunity came to, to uh, um, transition a little bit earlier than I anticipated and, and uh, take over the uh, chief operating officer role at, uh, at this uh, fiduciary uh, company in Knoxville, Tennessee. So when I did that, I uh, um, immediately got there and they said, hey, you're a money guy. We're growing like crazy. Go find us $2 million. And uh, so I said, "Hey, no problem. That's what I what I do." And you know, it's a little bit different in the private sector than it is going to Uncle Sam and saying, "Cut me a check," right? Um, so I uh, proceeded over the next uh, six, eight months or so to learn everything I could about the world of alternative capital. Um, 
we were going after that type of money. I, you know, you, you learn to know your enemy, so to speak. And uh, so I read up on it and, and a couple of things came uh, really clear to me is number one, it was a lot like uh, uh, the money management uh, that I did at like the Pentagon or the, or the white house where you're essentially looking for um, ways to stretch that dollar out, move money where there wasn't any, and uh, just try to make the mission happen with what little resources you had. That's, that's the world of venture capital, right? Because there's never enough money to go around. And then two, the second thing I saw is that there was a, there was a missing element um, of addressing those people like myself that had served in the military, that had learned military principles of, you know, discipline, execution, adaptability to changing circumstances, poises under pressure. Well, I think I just described an entrepreneur, but I also described a military veteran. And so that led me to realize that, you know, I checked out the, all the different governmental programs. None of them addressed the, this, this segment. And so I said, hey, I went to the company and, uh, and I said, hey, I'm going to get us the money. Uh, uh, we have a great story. And I did. I got us what we needed. I said, but, but I'd also like to start a fund that addresses people that were in my situation that needed access to capital, that didn't have the large, robust networks that... Uh, that our, our civilian counterparts did. And so that was about three years ago. And I took about a, a year of uh, mentorship from local venture capitalists in the, in the Tennessee arena, then broadened it out to the region and even back in DC to make sure that the military channels were, were still um, fluid and uh, got involved with bunker labs to, to, to address the entrepreneurial ship, uh, you know, sector within the military. And then um, after about a year of planning and strategizing, wargaming, getting the right partners up, we launched Veteran Ventures Capital about two years ago, a little over that. Um, and so that's that's really what started it. It was I saw that uh, that you know what I had been doing my entire career, I could continue to do in the private sector and help scale those those veterans that have that mindset of mission accomplishment at all costs. That's really what you're, what you're all about in, in an entrepreneurial startup type of ecosystem that I find myself in today. So Darren, what percentage of the company does a veteran have to own in order to get funding from you? Well, good question. Uh, essentially none. All right. Um, what I'm looking for um, is a veteran. I mean, now I, I'll qualify that. So I'll come back to that. But what we're looking for is a veteran that is in a position of, a, of leadership, probably in the C-suite somewhere, that has the ability to direct the strategic nature of that company, utilizing those principles that we teach in the military. We learn leadership from the ground up, whether or not you're a one-striper or a, or a colonel or a general, right? So we uh, have... Um, those types of principles that are instilled with us right when we come on in, well, those are extremely transferable to the private sector in trying to make things happen and to lead a company in the way it should go. So that's kind of uh, um, the the overall emphasis is, you know, veteran-owned or veteran-led companies. Now, I will say that since since launching a couple of years ago, we've been taking pitches even before we had deployable capital. Uh, and you can kind of think of it as like a military shark tank, but more in a virtual setting because we get uh, about um, at, the, at first we were taking three to five pitches a week. Um, and now that's closer to five to 10 pitches a week. There's a huge demand out there. There's lots of innovation. People are coming to me and I'd say about 
probably 95% of all those that are presenting to me are veteran owned um, and in some shape or capacity, usually pretty high, you know, 70% or higher, but it doesn't have to be. That's just what it's, it's that's what it has uh, turned out to be in terms of the people that are approaching us. Darren, how does someone get on this list to pitch you every week? Does someone need to make an introduction to you or the cold call or what's the best way? Oh, yeah. Um, well, so there's a number of different ways. We're affiliated with a lot of different uh, organizations. Um, uh, two that come to mind is, is obviously Bunker Labs, um, that, uh, you know, the military nonprofit that is committed to um, veterans becoming entrepreneurs and starting their own businesses, veterans and their spouses. So I'm the city lead for that in Knoxville. Uh, I helped uh, organize that one and launch it a couple of years ago, right around the same time as, as launching Better Ventures. Uh, so that's one area is Bunker Labs. Um, I, I get a lot of deal flow through them. Um, and another one is uh, there, there's a local, uh, not a local, but the, the regional angel capital group. So it's a nationwide syndicate that is a group of angel investors that uh, have little pockets and clubs throughout the throughout the country. Well, I, I uh, partnered with them early on uh, and I get a, um, a little bit of deal flow, deal flow through them. But as of late, um, we have on their website, which is uh, veteranventures.us, so it's uh, .us, not .com, um, there's a, a section under Contact Us that has our funding portal. And uh, so this is probably our number one way of getting deal flow today. Wasn't at first, but now it is. Um, and they simply go in there, they log on t- uh, to the site, uh, and then they can say, click here to start your funding profile. And it asks you a series of about 27 questions, and then you're able to upload your executive summary, your pitch deck, and your financials. And that triggers you into our funding queue, if it will, automatically sends it out to our investment committee. The investment committee will then take a quick quick look at it and decide if they want to pursue the next step, which is a, is a virtual pitch where we send out a request for a scheduling not unlike what you you do, Jason. Um, and then after that, uh, we'll get them on the line. We typically do those presentations on a Friday, um, and we'll have a you know we've had as many as ten people on a call. Some of those are investors uh, within Better Ventures. If I know ahead of time what the sector is, too, I can reach out to some of the other mentors and other venture capitalists out there that have like agricultural expertise or healthcare expertise, whatever the, whatever the pitch may be, we're sector agnostic as of right now. Um, and I'll bring them on too in their funds. So we just try to get as many people to the table as possible to help vet those requirements and to help whether or not I end up or Veteran Ventures ends up investing in the company, I still want to see veterans succeed, right? So if it's not a fit for our fund, um, we'll still help them out introduced into folks either through the bunker labs ecosystem or one of our sister alternative capital areas. Um, as you may or may not know, there's not very many funds that are doing what we're doing in the comp- in the country, probably less than 10. And, uh, and I know, I know pretty much all of them. And so it's a small community. We reach out, we talk to each other, we, we trade deals, we join each other wherever we can. And it's a great ecosystem because the military is trying to help out the military. And that's what uh, we believe it's not only the right thing to do, but it's a great business case because you got that entrepreneur that's not going to stop until he has mission accomplished, which is getting his business funded and executed. That's going to turn into a great return for our investors, 
we believe that we're going to be able to really um, uh, trounce the typical return of a, of a venture capital of our size and shape and scope. And I think it's because of the, the, the way that we're able to kind of pick apart the, the elite of the elite in terms of uh, veteran entrepreneurs. Darren, do you really uh, invest at a seed round stage? Yeah, great, good question. We, uh, we start off, um, we are early stage. So what does that mean? It really depends. That, that definition changes quite a bit. But uh, for us, we're in the, the, um, the seed stage, could be pre-revenue. Uh, could could have a little bit of traction, uh, you know, minimum viable product, or it could be actually, you know, generating uh, revenue, which is pretty typical, uh, but not necessarily making money at this point in time. And they just need that operating capital to help scale them up to the next level to where they're actually able to uh, generate economies of scale and make uh, and make profit. Uh, and then, you know, in a three to five year time frame. We, we typically try to make that uh, 10 times our, our initial investment. Darren, is there a certain type of business that you prefer to invest in? So that's a good question, too. Um, as I said earlier, it's right now, because we're a new fund uh, and we're kind of just the, the, the big investment thesis is military uh, veteran, right? Uh, veteran owned, veteran led, typically veteran owned. And uh, and so we're, we're intentionally being some um, um, broad in what we'll look at. But I can tell you that over the past year, year and a half of seeing all these deals, that we see a lot of things that the military is good at. A lot of cyber, um, you know, cybersecurity, anything somewhat um, high tech, uh, high growth, software as a service. Those areas um, are things that uh, the tip the military is good at security related issues overall. Um, we had our, our our first investment that we made uh, back in Q two um, quarter two uh, was essentially a cybersecurity company that uh, um, uh, you know Havenlock uh, is the company that we uh, we are currently in their uh, their program uh, and they uh, and, and they essentially are. are producing a, a, a locking system that is 10 times stronger than a deadbolt um, and also employs Bluetooth technology and, and is really uh, advanced for, uh, for what it does in the, uh, in the security network or security arena, both commercially as well as residential. So we did a lot of, uh, a lot of those. Um, we've seen a lot of healthcare. Um, a little bit of logistics and transportation. That's a, that's something, again, those areas that we know that the military is really good at, um, typically that's where we're going to see a lot of deal flow because those guys did it really well in the military, came out to the civilian uh, ranks, found out that, hey, I was doing the same thing that I was doing in the military, but they're doing it a lot less efficiently than what I could do it as, and they start their business. That's That's what we see a lot of. So, Darren, from my point of view, pitch decks and resumes are the same because you can show your pitch deck resume to 25 different people, get 25 different opinions. So, based on that, what advice should you have someone doing a pitch deck? Well, so it's, it's an interesting question because uh, we, we require the pitch deck um, before we'll take a look at the company. Uh, and I can tell you, um, you know, that uh, concise, easy to understand, uh, you know, very much you got, you got the team, you got the problem, you got the solution, you got the addressable market and then, uh, and then the actual ask. 
when you put a lot of technical issues in, involved in it, because people that are doing stuff like, uh, for example, biotech, um, uh, those are those are extremely hard to understand for people that are outside of that realm. And so the tendency is for the person who's developing that specific technology or or um, product offering, they know a lot about it, and they want to demonstrate their expertise and their competency um, by giving you all of the inner workings of how that system or how that product operates. But it's way too early in the game to throw that in your pitch deck. Um, really, what you got to do is talk about the problem, how big it is, and how we fix it, right? And so that's the part where um, if you get too overcomplicated in there, you're just going to lose us. And what we basic, what we do is we'll listen to your pitch. Then we'll put you off the line and we'll, we'll gather together just like you and I are doing right here and kind of just go over it. And more often than not, when it's something having to do with, uh, you know, uh, treatment for traumatic brain injury or a biotech that has, does this or nanotechnology that does that. I'm a finance guy. Okay. I've got a, I've got a, a mergers and acquisition guy on the board. I got somebody in agricultural on the board and then I've got a cyber uh, PhD on the board. If, if we don't know it, well then, you know, it was kind of like, Hey, he was way over my head. I said, do you know anybody that can help us with this? And, if the answer is yes, then we'll usually forward the deal out to them. But if it's not, or if it's something that's just like way too technical for us, we're going to pass on it. And most people will tell you that they don't invest in things you don't understand. And that, while I agree with that in principle, if I can get somebody who understands it, then I I'll put them on that board and I'll put them as part of the subject matter expertise. That's something that, uh, that we'll do. But in the in absence of that, we'll pass on the deal. Really what I would Long, long uh, answer to is really just make it so anybody can understand it. If you do that, then you've got a great, uh, a great story that you can tell. Build the entire um, deck around your story. Don't make it too overly complicated. Darren, so uh, there's a stat out there that says like only 1% of companies actually get VC funded. So based on that, why do you think so, so much hype to get started to get VC funding? And of course, there's no promise that even if you get funding, you're going to, you know, make it anyway. Why so much hype? And what advice do you have for founders like between working on the product, building the company versus doing funding? Because as we both know, they're both full-time jobs. So you are correct. Between one and 3% of all businesses that pitch are going to get funding. So that means, and, and I, I can attest to that, I've seen, you know, over over a hundred pitches this year and we've funded one. Uh, so, um, and we're in the process of, you know, in the final stages of our, of our next, uh, next round of deployment. Um, so the, the issue is, is um, you're trying to scale your business. You have an idea or you have some traction and you need access to capital to execute the mission. However you do that is, um, is really, you know, you, you cast that wide net. Right. There's pros and cons to venture capital. Um, one of the pros is, is that, you know, you're typically getting more than just a, um, uh, you know, a handful of dollars. We're, we try to bring a level of expertise and networking uh, that, uh, that helps you further your business by giving you additional tools and resources. If you go, but you're also giving up ownership in your company. Right. So that, that's a trade off. 
because um, we're going to take over uh, a good share of your company um, in terms of the equity in the company uh, in order to make sure that we get our return. Uh, if you go the debt route, like the uh, Small Business Association uh, has various programs at different times for veterans that allows you to um, get capital from the government or at least get guaranteed and backed from the government that doesn't have the equity attached to it. It's, it's essentially a loan. Uh, and that's a good, oper- uh, a good option if you can qualify. The reason that you end up coming to the VC typically is because you can't qualify for those. But if you can, um, if you can bootstrap it, do it on your own, and keep the ownership of your company, then by all means, do that. But don't do it to the point of um, having too much pride in your own uh, in your own business to be willing to give up a good portion of it in order for it to grow and to to be something really big. Um, that's what uh, I would say. That there's some. If I could pick out one area that the military a veteran can um, do a little bit better is uh, don't be afraid to give away a portion of your company because you really, in the long term, you're going to end up being better off. If I have an opportunity and I'm making, you know, $500,000 a year in my, in my company, that's great. Okay. You have a great lifestyle business, but if you have a chance to turn that into a 5 million or a $5 billion industry, or, or uh, enterprise, and and you end up, you know, let's say you, you end up uh, with half of the uh, company after it's all said and done. Well, you have half of five million or five hundred million or whatever it is, as opposed to that five hundred thousand you had before. It's a question of scale, impact, and uh, and that's something that you know that uh, access to capital will get you. I would say that you know. Um, there's a there's a, a heavy leaning towards keeping your keeping your company as much as possible, and I'm just saying it just depends on what you want to be when you grow up. How big do you want your company to be? Have you done your strategic plan? Do you think you can do something on a on a much bigger level than you're doing it today? And what's the quickest way to get to that path? And I think that uh, for a large share of folks, that that injection of capital will get you there quicker than trying to do it on your own over the course of what could take you five years, maybe you could do it in two years. Is it worth it? Is it worth uh, that additional three years of getting to the freedom and the financial security that you're looking for? Does that make sense? It does. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg only has 26% of Facebook, right? You know, there you go. That's right. And I think he's doing all right, right? (laughs) Yes, he Um, is. So Darren, um, like most startup founders, they're they're trying to raise funds or pitching to talk to multiple investors. There's like a competition going on. Can you talk about the competition between VC firms and investors to find the right startup to invest in? Well, that's an inter- uh, it's a paradox, okay? Because uh, in my mind, um, in, in the vi- mind of those that are doing the same thing, uh, some of the sister firms that are throughout the country, there's a couple in, uh, well, there's one in North Carolina, a couple in Texas, a couple in DC, one in Atlanta, and, and one in Florida. We all are on you know, really good cordial speaking terms. I don't believe it's a competition because we like to do what's called syndicate deals. So let's say that somebody pitches me, um, I don't know, a transportation company that is raising $5 million. Um, I could put all 5 million in there, but that would, that would be putting all my eggs in one basket. What I, what would is a more likely scenario is I'll lead that round. I'll put in a million dollars 
and then try to corral other investors to come on in and sort of diversify that whole entire portfolio. So I'll call those same um, firms that I just named and I'll say, hey, I'm coming in for this deal. Do you want to join me at a couple hundred thousand or whatever it is that you want to feel comfortable coming in at? So we don't have competition in this tr- traditional sense of, uh, of a regular business because we actually like to come in on deals where somebody's already done a lot of the legwork and in turn, you get to diversify across multiple investments. Now, that doesn't mean that you know uh, they're not going to help me fundraise when I'm doing fund two and fund three, and, and I'm not going to do the same for them. But once the funding is there, and once we're fully capitalized, then we, we share deals, we share opportunities. We I jump on the phone call, phone with a couple of them, and just say, hey, what's going on with you? And uh, and they do the same. So that's uh, it's it's not uh, it's it's not as cutthroat competition because we really want all of our investments to succeed. And then if you come in on my investment, then we're in it together. Darren, so next two-part question. What makes you say yes to someone and what makes you say no to someone? Probably easier to say what makes me say no. Um, because, you know, there's a, uh, an inherent, um, you know, I, I guess you probably read that you can, you know, read somebody and that you're already uh, looking to see the potential of any kind of relationship within the first couple of minutes of meeting somebody, right? I think it's very similar in the venture capital space where we get that pitch. Uh, what what I do like is I like to see uh, energy and I like to see passion um, and I like to see confidence, uh, but not cockiness, okay? That's a problem. Yeah, you know, because, uh, you know, we, we in the military are bred to be confident, right? We're going into battle and, and we know we're going to win. Sometimes that comes across, especially I got several investors that are not veterans that are on the investment committee. And when they see that, they automatically assume a certain level of hubris there. And I have to go back to them afterwards and I'll say, no, no, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, or I'll, I'll make sure that he's aware that, you know, the next go around that, that he, he reigns himself in. So I would say that confidence is strong and something you need, but you got to temper that and make sure that you don't come across as arrogant. You know, uh, I'm going to do this with or without you kind of mentality. That could be true, but don't tell me that. Right. Uh, so I like to see the passion. I like to see the competence. Um, you know, you got to be good at what you're doing. And then for me, I want to know um, that you know your numbers. Okay, I'm a money guy. I want to see the financials. I want to go through them. I want to um, pick up, pick them apart, uh, and uh, and make sure that it's going to be a you know uh, a home run for my investors. You know, we are looking for that 10x return at a minimum. Uh, love to see even higher than that. And so it's got to be a great business case. I love supporting veterans. I am one. I, it's you know it's truly a passion of mine. Uh, and uh, but I'm also aware that in the in the end game, I got to make my investors money, most of which aren't veterans. Uh, if I want to have a fund two and a fund three, and so um, it does end up having to be a very compelling case. It's got to be a very large market size. Um, we got to have billions in the market size, not not millions. Uh, and so there's just a lot of things that you have to look for. We have a massively long checklist 
that uh, that you have to kind of go through. And it takes a period of days, not not just a couple thirty minute presentation. We then take the information you gave us and we'll comb it uh, across it in in multiple different ways. But yeah, so. What do I, I like to see passion, I like to see confidence, I like to see confidence. What I don't like to see is arrogance. And, um, and I also don't like to uh, see somebody who um, isn't, isn't really, um, uh, polished isn't the right word. I can't think of the right word, but um, you gotta, you gotta really come across um, knowing that you know what you're talking about. Um, and when I ask them something like, uh, you know, what does your cap table look like? If they don't know what the term cap table is, capitalization table, um, then that's just a, one data point, but it's something that you got to think about um, and you got to anticipate and you got to read up on. You should, they should know um, uh, their audience. I've had somebody that pitched us um, uh, probably almost a year and a half ago where they pitched us and they were looking for $17 million. Um, which at the time was larger than my, than, it was almost three times larger than my fund. And I was like, well, well why, why are you talking to me? <laughs> I can't help you there. And so it's just kind of like, uh, you just wasted both of our times. But uh, so know your audience, know what what you're getting into. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know it when you see it kind of thing. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Darren, when you invest with someone, do you prefer going the convertible note route or the, or the, the traditional way? What does it really matter to you? Well, what I prefer personally is the traditional equity, um, you know, stake in it, uh, board seat, leading the round. Uh, on, uh, but in reality, um, the convertible note at the early stage, you know, especially when they don't have revenue, that's that's what you see the majority of the time. So it just sets you up and for that second round that's coming up. So I know eventually we'll get to the right spot, but the convertible is just a man, manage a, a way to get in the game because you don't have the traction you need to have a true valuation of your company. Darren, can you provide your social media links for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Yeah. Um, again, I said earlier that, you know, we have a, our website is veteran ventures, all one word, veteranventures.us. Uh, and from there, if you go there at the bottom of the page, it has all of our social media links, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, we have a YouTube channel with a, a two or three videos on it, but it's all, uh, veteran ventures. So the Instagram, uh, I think the Twitter handle is veterans, uh, is ventures veteran, but everything else is veteran ventures on there. So if you get on any one of those platforms, search for us, um, you'll find out the, it's real easy to find us, um, but veteranventures.us is the first place I would go and then scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see all of the social media links. And to listen, we have the links to all the social media on our show notes. You can find the show notes at www.cavernstateshowblog.com and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Cavern State Show podcast on Apple Podcasts where you listen to it. So Darren, we're coming to the end of a talk. Can you provide us any wisdom or advice or any subject you want to cover? Yeah, so um, for... I think, again, I want to thank you, Jason, for this time. It's, a, it's always a, a great to talk about the mission and vision of what we're doing here at VDC. I, I would say that uh, what we have in the entrepreneurial ecosystem within the military community is something that is extremely uh, unique and poised for success. Darren, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. 
And to our listeners, thanks for your time with all. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinets HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinets HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinets HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasoncabinets at cabinetshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up.